EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King. Hosting the show solo today as Mike and Sam are out of pocket this morning. We're going to be dealing with a topic that I think a lot of pastors deal with. And, you know, before I intro the topic, let me just say thank you. Thank you for listening to the show, making us a part of your week. We get so much feedback all the time on Twitter, Facebook, uh, even in person. I've ran into a couple of people at different associational meetings or, or just kind of gatherings of pastors, and they let me know that they really enjoy the show. So we are so fortunate to have you listening and hope that you would, uh, you know, let other people know about the show. Let other pastor friends of yours know about EST and the way that we are kind of helping you out any way that we can. Today's topic is going to be debt. What do you do with your debt? A lot of pastors get into churches and and before long they really realize, hey, the giving isn't exactly what the committee told me it was and maybe there's a issue, you make some changes, the, there's some people that leave and the giving goes down a little bit, but you still have that debt and every month there's a debt payment that comes along. What do you do with that? Maybe how do you avoid that? What are some mistakes that you can make? And even what should you know if you're going to try to refinance or maybe go to interest-only payments? That's what we're going to be talking about today on the EST. My guests today are two friends of mine have helped me out in a number of ways here at Saxe's Church. Um, on our show this morning, we have John and Peter Mazika, who are with Service Realty. I'm going to let them tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do. Good morning, guys. Hey, Josh. Good to be with you. So Service Realty uh, exists to serve the church. Um, with all area, uh, in all areas related to real estate and financing. And so we're a company that's based here in the Dallas area. We have offices in Dallas and Houston, but we serve churches, um, with their real estate needs. And part of that is addressing, uh, financing needs. And so, uh, we have a team of folks who exist to serve the church and, uh, we spend all of our time doing that. We don't do residential houses or, a lot of other commercial real estate, we exist to serve the church. Mm. And so in that work over the years of doing real estate, um, the questions around debt and getting financing and how do we go about doing that? Uh, should, should we start trying to get a credit score and all that kind of stuff? We did, de- we've dealt with those questions mm. and we've dealt with lenders. And so, um, in my area of real estate, uh, I mostly function, um, as, as doing the real estate side of our business. Um, Peter, um, as he comes out of the hole he was in a minute ago, uh, he is, uh, he and a couple of others on our team really help churches, um, tell their story to banks. Um, we help them build a financial package and help them understand, um, we, we speak bank, um, to the church and to the church. Uh, we help translate a church's financials to a bank in the way that helps them, um, get their projects completed. Hmm. Um, in our work, though, we understand that the church is not a building. It's not a place. The church is the people. The building is just simply a tool for ministry. Um, debt, likewise, is a tool that can be used for ministry. But if those tools, whether it's a building or debt, 
are not right sized for your church, um, they can be an anchor and it can hold you down. And I know a lot of the guys listening on this call today, um, there may be debt decisions that weren't made by them. They were made by previous leadership or 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or some guys may be saying, Hey, and, and we, we need to do a new project here at our church. So do we, do we want to go into debt about that? Right. So, and let me just say that, you know, this isn't a commercial for service realty. These, no. uh, both of these guys, John and Peter, have helped me here at Saxe's Church with advice, with help. And they've got a number of packages and projects and things in which they can service and help churches of various sizes to do what they need to do um, with the budget, smaller budgets, larger budgets, all of the kind of fitting in those price ranges that really helps you kind of navigate through the sort of the the muck and the mire of financing and business and and real estate those sort of things that I always joke about there is no real estate class in seminary there's no um bank loan class in seminary which is just something we just constantly have to deal with and yet we're supposed to lead these charges oftentimes in smaller churches and I know the advice is well surely there's a banker or or somebody in your church that can help you out with that. And and oftentimes that is true, but I would also push back on that and say, sometimes it's not, you know, in a number of the churches I've been on staff at with, they were all mainly blue collar, kind of smaller churches, not a lot of the bankers and stuff like that, because there's a certain kind of church in town where all of those seem to go. And, and maybe that's not the church that you're at. Furthermore, you may have a real estate agent, let's say in your church, but you and I, and just between you and I and the Holy Spirit, you know that that person is not very quality, not the sort of person that you would want to stick in charge of a $2 million project. And and so maybe sometimes those just aren't resources for you. Something like Service Realty would be a help. Uh, John mentioned um, that he does more of the real estate side. I, I have done the real estate side of, of serving churches in, in our in our work, but uh, a greater role has come on with helping churches uh, acquire financing, and mm. um, that that has been touched on. But uh, John gave a good overview of of what we do. But the gap that we see is uh, you know, churches and 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 lenders operate by very different. Um, methods and measures and so often in the church people want to operate based on faith and Mm -hmm. lenders to a great extent do not operate on faith they they want (laughs) to say you know they say show me show me you can afford this and so um you know our work of helping uh churches tell their story to a bank in a way that that bank understands and helping churches understand what to say and what not to say um, right. that freak out lenders is is a big part of this role that we have uh, taken on in, in, in helping kind churches, you know, yeah. solve these problems. So Yeah, I think that sounds great. Let me ask you, I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about our story and see if we can maybe ask a few questions based on that. Here at Saxe's Church, uh, in 1996, the church took out a debt for... Uh, 1.7 million in 2011 when I took the church. The debt total remaining was 1.3 million. So you can do the math on that. Now here in 2017, our debt's down around 720,000. And you know, at times it's been really, really tough on us because mm-hmm. there's just so much over an entire week's income 
um, tithes and offerings goes towards debt oftentimes, just in, you know, more than what we bring in in a week. So that's a quarter of our month is going towards debt services. What would you guys say, you know, we can start with Peter, you can, you can jab at this a couple and, you know, we'll, we'll try to be succinct with our question, our answers here, because I've got a number of questions to ask you guys. What do you see as the, the one or two reasons that gets churches in the most trouble in the area of debt or borrowing? I think, I think one of the key things for churches to understand is that in your church, you have got different ministry buckets. As you look at your finances, you've got buckets. You've got a bucket for ministry, um, programming, all those things fall under that bucket. You've got a bucket for personnel, you, have, you know, hiring folks, um, all of those things. And then you, the, the other bucket um, is, is facilities. And in that includes um, debt and, and maintenance. And I think one of the key areas where churches sometimes find themselves in trouble is when they have a, a disproportionate amount going to either one. It's okay to have have it going to one bucket for a time, but you want those numbers to to be pretty even. Uh, some people will throw in a fourth bucket, and that's fine. But I think understanding when you've got your budget and it's got to go to multiple buckets if when when you give extra to one whether that be debt reduction or personnel you're taking from another bucket and so mm. that to me is one of the big issues that sometimes the 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 thought ahead of time is not there of well what happens if i say I'm just going to throw everything at debt. Well, what mm -hmm. happens to your other buckets, your ministry bucket, your personnel but bucket? Makes sense. Um, that's a that's a key thing that people need to think about before they make that decision. Okay, John, have you seen anything similar? Yeah, I would agree. When when a church approaches um, debt discussions or, or even um, a relocation discussion. It's going to come down to how much money you have available to continue to do ministry. Uh, what Peter said, you can't go high in two buckets. Let's say, for example, you go 55% in your personnel, which really 45 to 50 is healthy. So if you go 10% above that, um, and then you're also high, uh, let's say you're at 40% in your facilities, which is your mortgage and in your uh, all your payments or Utilities, yeah. utilities, all of that is in that bucket. Well, you have very little left over for ministry. Mm. And in a city like in the Metroplex where we are, if you don't have money for the ministry ministries and programming, uh, there's going to be people are going to come in your building and they're going to be like, there's not a safe place for my kids. Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to improve. They haven't been able to uh, do this improvement. And so they may just go to the next church that might have a better, uh, might fit their needs better. Mm. So it's really about balance. <laughs> Um, obviously, your your bucket for personnel is usually going to be in that forty-five to fifty percent range. Um, but I think as you approach debt discussions, it's really about understanding your ministry. Um, I've worked with churches who said, "Well, ten percent of our uh, money is going to go to mission." Well, now they have four buckets. Hmm. Um, so there's missions, ministry, facilities, and personnel. So understanding that about your church is very critical. 
Wow. Okay. So I think those are some good things. And obviously one of the other things to think about, at least from my perspective, is that, you know, oftentimes churches will build on the idea or the premise of when we build this, we will grow. And so we'll get this new children's ministry um, building and then we'll we'll grow and we'll bring in enough people um, in order to, you know, carry this debt or this this load at least in my experience, that's never happened. Um, there is some initial growth, and then a lot of times there's a backlash. I think, you know, it's probably another show topic, but how often normally that pastors leave after they get into these debts, and I think that's probably some of it. But um, from y'all's experience, is that, you know, the, that anecdotal idea of once we build this, then we're going to grow, how much does does that or should that factor into a church loan idea? I. I think that that is that's the common thought. Everybody says if if we build it, they will come. Um, as far as whether or not you can afford that debt, if you say, "Well, I'm going to go add on to my, um, yeah, I'm going to go build a uh, education wing for for my children's ministry, uh, mm-hmm. and I need to go borrow money for that," <clears throat> lenders don't operate on. Well, if I build it, they will come. Um, they say, show me you can afford that. So, mm-hmm. what, you know, as I work with churches, I, I always urge them, if that's something you want to do and you know it's going to cost you this much money, operate like you're paying that today. You may not be paying that amount today. If, if, if a construction project is part of what you want to do and you know it's going to cost you an extra $10,000 a month, then put $10,000 a month in a building fund and do mm. that for a solid amount of time, a, a year or two years prior to building that so you can show a lender, I'm already paying this. It's just not all mm. going to you, right? Wow. So um, that's how I I look at it to say, um, you know, church, uh, show that you can afford this. Don't operate on if I build it, they will come uh, most lenders won't let you operate that way anymore uh, mm. because uh, they've been burned by that. And, and like you imagine. said, a lot of times it doesn't happen. So yeah. um, that's my the other big... flaw. The other flaw in that thought process is you could maybe through, you know, operating on a shoestring budget with your staffing and not giving very much to missions and ministry, you can probably prove to the bank we can afford this. Just the reality of it is you're not going to be able to function as a growing ministry. You know, if you grow, you're going to need more staff, more ministry expenses, and you're already spending the money, you know, even before it comes. So even in a good situation, a lot of times, I just find that not to work or or, or not to work very well. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about the pastor who ends up in a church. He takes the church um, and he finds out through looking at the finances, etc., man, I've got a very large debt here. Um, You know, I I maybe didn't realize what size of debt this is. I I think that there's an issue there. You should have found that out in the interview process and what percentage is going towards that, those sort of things, because it's kind of tied to your paycheck. But let's say that you end up that way. What should they do maybe from a facilities standpoint, John? Is there any relief or what are some of the factors that they should consider once that guy person figures this out? I think once they figure out that they have a large amount of debt or more than what they can handle today, uh, they need to start looking at solutions of how they can best use 
the tool they have. So the building, um, oftentimes churches will say, hey, uh, what if we, instead of doing a Mother's Day Out program that costs us money, what if we bring in a daycare that pays us rent? And maybe we have a relationship with them where uh, we can leverage the people that are coming to that daycare and maybe get them involved in our church. But it takes off expense from you and creates income. Now, you have to make sure that it's a good lease. Um, I had a church that thought they would do that. And before they knew it, the, the school could only pay $2,000 a month. And they actually spend more using the building. So that doesn't even cover utilities and things in the building, and it actually costs the church money because they had to put in a fire uh, fire system. Um, but they're contractually the, leased, right? Right. They're contractually leased. Um, mm. And actually, it was a situation where it wasn't written on paper, but the church decided, hey, we want to do this with this daycare, and they, they ended up spending more money than came in from the lease. So again, wow. if you're going to lease your building, make sure you have a lease that is a good lease that actually brings in income, provides ministry opportunity. Um, in that situation, neither of those two things happen. Other churches mm -hmm. say, hey, we have some excess land, and we already have a ton of uh, facility. Um, we're going we're gonna to sell some of that land and put that money towards debt or ministry. Um, so those are a couple of options that churches uh, can do when they say, hey, uh, how can we attack this debt using our current resources that we have? You uh, bring up an interesting thing here because when you talk about land, uh, you know, at least the theory in the past has been you need one acre per 100 people that you're going to average. I guess that may be a suburban idea or concept. And so I know a lot of people who really push for their churches to have at least 10 acres because then they can grow to 1,000 people. Is that still the rule of thumb or – Kind of what's the thought, actual thought behind that? I would say that is a good rule of thumb, but a lot of churches are changing how they do ministry today. Um, they don't need to do as many on-site um, groups in their church um, for, say, Bible Fellowship. Maybe they're doing home groups now. Um, they don't have as many things happening in their building. So I know a lot of churches that are pushing a 1,000 people that only have five or six acres. I also wow. know churches that have less than five acres and may be pushing that number. It's all about how you use your facility. Um, maybe you have parking agreements with nearby users, so you don't have to own that land. You just need rights to it. Um, and we've helped lots of churches who sold off land um, but have retained perpetual parking rights. The word perpetual means forever. Hmm. And so uh, if you sell off land and give get only get parking rights for five or ten years, um, you may have just put yourself in a, in a bind. But um, right. th those are things you can do that will be very helpful for you. Wow. It's it, interesting. I, I think, I think when, when we're having this conversation about debt, really what we're talking about is cash flow pressure, especially mm -hmm. when you're asking these questions of um, you're looking at your monthly budget and saying, okay, I've got this debt and I've got this uh, this space that I'm using. What about what about the church that doesn't have that space that they can lease to a daycare or a school? There's mm -hmm. other ways to relieve that pressure. You know, the, the again, debt creates cash flow pressure, and and there's there's other ways to relieve that pressure, whether that's uh, paying off your debt. 
um, you know, doing a, a, a capital campaign um, saying for a period of time, um, you know, for the next six months, every extra penny we can find is going towards debt reduction. Um, whether it's refinancing the loan is another option to get to a lower interest rate. Sometimes it's restructuring your debt where even if you're not lowering your interest rate, you can restructure that debt and still reduce your payment, right? So it's about reducing that cash flow. And just because you may not have room to lease out to a school does not mean that those options and solutions aren't out there for you. Um, you just have to know where to look. Well, Peter, I'm curious about the refinancing option. That seems to be one of the main options or primary routes that a lot of pastors take when they, when they take their church and they see this debt issue is creating a problem, so they go after a refi. Is there certain rules or guidelines that help us kind of consider when is a refi a good move for us? How long should we go out? Or, mm -hmm. you know, just give us a quick little crash course on refinancing a church loan. Yeah. So there's there's a couple uh three motivations I think that that churches would have when when they look at okay, well why would I when would I consider refinancing or why? Um one of those would be to secure a loan for more favorable terms. Okay. You may have um you may be paying your debt off very aggressively. Okay. And your interest rate is fine. It's, you're not going to get a whole lot better on the interest rate. Maybe your interest rate's actually going to go up. But when you're talking about that cash flow pressure, which is what we're really calling the debt, um, restructuring that sometimes can allow you to free up money on a monthly basis that you can then use to, um, put the ministry buckets we talked about earlier back into a more healthy uh, proportionate ratio, or you may say, "Hey, look, I I need to put some money back into ministry if I can get some better terms, uh, even if it causes me to add some additional years to paying off my debt. It can reduce my payment over a period of time um, to to free you up to to do that." Um, that that's that's one of the motivations uh another motivation might be lowering your interest rate you know i've i've got i i helped a church who bought a building with seller financing and they got themselves in a mess because neither of the two churches that worked out this loan agreement um really knew what they were doing. I would make the case that the seller knew what they were doing, but they took advantage of the other church. And mm. so I was able to come in and help them refinance it. Um, you know, they were paying almost 8% interest on a seller finance deal where wow. at the time when they bought that building, no lender would have given them a loan because they had two years of history and that's not enough. But mm. we were able to get that refinanced for them. They They lowered their interest rate by almost four points, which is insane. Um, another one is maybe the, the third motivation is maybe you've outgrown your relationship with your lender. You know, uh, there are lenders that um, <clears throat> are good at certain things and not so good at others. And, and there's churches, there's, there's lenders that are church friendly and understand how church work. And there's some that don't, that may have given you a loan five years ago that now they don't, the same people that gave you that loan may no longer be there at the bank. 
they right. may not have that motivation to say, okay, well, how can I step in and partner with this pastor? How can I help him with that? Um, so, so sometimes that that would be the third motivation I would say um, to look at those. So, you know, when you're talking about a loan or, or refinancing situation, you're talking about those terms there, the favorable terms. Mm-hmm. How long is too long? Because it seems like sometimes you can go out further. You can maybe take your our payoff is seven years. We could go out mm-hmm. to fifteen years, or we could go out to thirty, depending on which one we go with. Mm-hmm. How do you know if one's too long or not? I think you've it's the answer is not the same for every church in okay. in, in that in terms of how many years is too long. Okay, uh, it's it's really a case by case situation, and when you look at it and say, well, do I want to pay this off over 20 years, 25 years, 15 years? Um, you, you, you do the math, you figure out what your payment's going to be. You've really got to ask yourself, does this allow me to do ministry the way I need to do to reach my people, to reach the people, do I, to, to get people to church, to, to perform ministry, does this a number of years does this payment allow me to do that and you know the most lenders are giving out 5 year terms every 5 years you've got to requalify for your loan essentially refinance every 5 years um there's that 5 year call if yours is 7 that's great but you can look at it and say well if i stretch that 7 over 15 years what does that allow me to do um and 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 so it, it totally depends on the interest rate you're paying, um, okay. your budget, and then really w- what your motivation is. Let me ask you another yeah. one. This seems to be a strategy often used: is the interest-only payments or the what do you call it, principal deferred? Yeah. What, what what's some things that pastors need to think <clears throat> through if they're considering that option? Maybe one of the the church members has come to them and said, "Why don't we just go to interest-only payments?" What do you what's your advice on that? Yeah. I I would give a, a, a huge caution to to doing something like that. Really, no one no one's going to put it in these terms. The bank is sure not going to put it in these terms to you. But really, what you're asking, if you say, "Hey, lender, can I can I make interest only payments after you've agreed to terms?" Let's say you've been paying on your debt for a few years, and you say, "Well, now I want to do interest only." Well, that's not the agreement that your original loan documents called for. So really mm-hmm. what you're asking that lender is, can I default on my loan or can I, can I, can I modify that agreement uh, and, and you won't foreclose on me, right? right? I can't do that on a personal level, right? That raises a big red flag on my credit report if I go ask, my lender, hey, I know I'm paying this for my monthly mortgage, but I just want to pay you interest. Oftentimes they'll say yes, but what you don't realize is what that does to you years down the road. And I've so seen it could churches be harmful later. Absolutely. And I've seen churches deal with that where they, they went and did interest only payments and they thought, okay, this is gonna add another two years to our uh to our mortgage, we're gonna we're gonna pay on it an additional two years if we do this, and really it added like eight 
Okay, wow. or or they they thought, well, if I defer a uh, hundred thousand dollars in payment, uh, principal payments, then I'll just tack that on to the end. But you know what? There's also penalties that come with that, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I do appreciate you and Peter jumping on the call today. Before I let you go, John, tell us a little bit about how somebody may, maybe they need the services of Service Realty and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. They can uh, engage us on the web at servicerealty.com. Um, and there you'll see some resources. We're, we're getting our website rebuilt right now. Uh, it'll be launching in January, but there's good, helpful information on the blog resources, our financing page. Uh, so servicerealty.com forward slash financing. There's great tools there. So that's where I drive everybody for this discussion. All right. Thank you so much, John. And let Peter know we appreciate him as well. And um, for our listeners, thank you again for listening to EST. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us online. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.